I feel like I'm walking up to do something uh, crazy and all, but I'm really just walking up to preach. So I think the new trend now is that every time we get out of our car, there should be a walkout song. And so when your car door opens, you walk out to whatever song that kind of defines your personality, okay? Uh, So that's in the coming days. Uh, Maybe we can do a design patent and pay for the new church. I don't know. Uh, But this week, uh, we are in a sermon series called Walk This Way. And by the time that you've gotten to this stage of this last sermon, that you are really beginning to walk in the way that honors and pleases the Lord. Can I get an amen to start? Man, we have challenged and taken on some of the toughest things for us to deal with. And so I hope by this point, you are battling and you are putting those things to death. If you haven't, if you've missed this sermon series, it's on our YouTube channel, it's on Facebook. Go watch these things and get up to speed with where the Lord is taking us as a church. Uh, this morning, as we kind of close this out, I want to start by just uh, just kind of a, a, a moment to pray for one of the really special families that's in our church. Uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Papa Bird, which is a, a charter member, uh, probably one of the first people to ever attend this church, uh, he passed away on Friday, uh, which was his birthday. So imagine that his birth date and his day of death were the exact same. So just pray for Mama Bird and pray for that family. Uh, for those of you that know Papa Bird, uh, he is notorious for his hugs. Has anybody had a a, a Papa Bird, and he's also notorious for his Papa Bird kiss uh, that was on the side of your cheek. Uh, I never received one because I have a beard, uh, but that was what he was notorious for. He was like a grandpa to everybody that was within this church, and so uh, let's just pray for that family before we begin. Dear Father, I come to you humbled and thankful for the way that you love us. Thankful for the opportunity to be able to worship you this morning uh, for such a great church family that genuinely loves you and genuinely wants to put the things to death that need to die off in our lives. Father, we lift up Mama Bird and the family. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would be with them, that you would comfort them, or that you would give them a peace of knowing that you are their God and you're with them in everything that they go through. Father, we love you and praise you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Um, his service will post on our social media this afternoon, uh, but there will be a visitation tomorrow evening at Strickland's, and then his uh, funeral service will be Tuesday morning at Strickland's in the chapel at 11 a.m. So, uh, but as we kind of go into this, and I think about him uh, because he had some uh, so, some idiosyncrasies, some quirks that you just knew who he was when it came to that. And so this morning we're actually going to talk about habits. Now, how many of you have certain habits? How many of you have to lock the doors every time at night? How many of you have to touch that lock to make sure that it's locked? Anybody? Uh, for those of you that are not raising your hand, we can steal from them anytime because chance, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's an am- amazing thing for us to think that we have habits. Now, how many of you would say your spouse has habits? Now, how many of you would say your spouse has annoying habits? Okay. How many of you would have pointed those out in a loving manner, right? Uh, so it's interesting, but when you think about habits, some of the hardest habits to break, and listen, I have my own. Uh, one of the things that is probably the toughest for me to break is when I'm having a conversation with somebody else in my head, and whether I'm driving my car or whatever it is, my hands are moving. And so sometimes I'll be driving along and I'm having this conversation and my wife will go, who are you talking to? (laughs) Really? And so now that's passed on to my kids. My kids will go, dad, who are you talking to? Well, I wasn't talking to you. 
So let's, let's just move on. But we have these different habits. So the hardest habits to break. Now listen, no judgment in these habits, okay? No pointing out your spouse or no pointing finger above them. No nudging or hitting or even looking at them. This is, this is guilt by the pastor, not by you this morning, okay? Uh, so here we go. The first one is snacking. How many of you love to snack? We just preached on lying, folks. <laughs> it's crazy that as soon as you see something, this, this immediate urge begins to snack. Now listen, nighttime snacking is the worst for me. But when I stop at 9 o'clock at night and I sit on the couch, for some reason, this hunger pain tells me that cookies are somewhere in the house. Is anybody with me? And if cookies don't do it and you need something salty, there's some chips or some pretzels or something in this place. But this is a tough one to break. Now, how many of you have broken the snacking routine? Okay, good. One survivor. Everybody else is still dealing with it. The next one, nail biting. Any nail biters in the room? Man, just look at their fingers and when you shake them. Listen, this is why I give you guys knuckles because your fingers have been in your mouth way too much. Okay, so my wife is a nail biter and it's crazy because my token phrase is, Melissa, are you hungry? Shut up. Just leave me alone. I go, baby, what are you nervous about? I don't know, but I'm tearing this nail up. And I'm like, okay, just as long as you're not tearing me apart, we're usually in a really good space. But sometimes it's anxiety. Sometimes it's something that we're worried about. But this is kind of a nervous tick tick that goes with us. The third procrastinating. Whoo. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because you'll procrastinate and raise it at the wrong time in the service. And so it would just be this bad occasion where I think you're raising your hand in worship, but you're just procrastinating to what I'm saying. But imagine that procrastinating. Any high schoolers, (laughs) thank you. Any procrastinators in high school, wait till the exact last minute that you could possibly study to take the test. Anybody in here? Okay, man, for some, it will happen tomorrow. It will happen tomorrow. We procrastinate and procrastinate and procrastinate. And listen, I really think the reason that we procrastinate so much is we're hoping that somebody else will do the job, right? Like, who knows? Maybe the school will burn down and I won't have to take my test. I mean, why would I study knowing that it was possibly a 1% chance that something's not going to happen? The next one, and this is annoying. Stop doing it, people. Gum popping. Listen, some of you cannot chew gum without blowing bubbles. Listen, if you start doing that during church, we have snipers that will pop the bubble for you. We don't, if you're a guest. But I feel like that just needs to be said. Uh, But for those of you that smack your gum, man... This is, we're not cows, okay? We chew gum with our mouth closed. Can I get an amen? amen? Now this one hits a little bit close to home, but it's one of the hardest habits to break is gossiping. Man, people have a hard time having a conversation with somebody else without talking about somebody else. And this is a way of making ourselves kind of feel good about ourselves. But listen, this is a tough habit to break because as soon as you walk out and you go, man, did you see what he was wearing? 
Did you see what she was wearing? Man, is their power out? Did they not see before they left? Listen, all of these things begin to come out of our mouth, and it's a conversation piece for us. It's something to talk about. And so listen, these are habits that need to be broken. But I love that Scripture tells us and gives us an understanding of how to break bad habits. Now, before we get to Scripture, this is kind of society's terms and how we break bad habits. So if you're a nail biter this morning or somebody that procrastinates, I want you to have hope. You can change. I was kind of hoping you'd be excited there. Thank you. One person. I'll preach, I'm preaching to this side this morning. Um, how to break bad habits. Avoid tempting situations. Now, for some of you that are procrastinators, you're like, easy. <laughs> I just won't go to school, right? That's not what it's saying here. Avoid tempting situations, things that will allow you to fall back into these habits. I love the next one. Replace unhealthy behaviors with healthy ones. It's interesting that we have to replace some of the bad habits with something that is positive. This is called replacement therapy. The next one is to prepare mentally, to make sure that you are sharp, that you are ready to go. The other one is enlist support. Gather people around you that will tell you, hey, how are you doing with this? How are you working on this? And then reward yourself for small steps. It's interesting that society has put this in place as to overcome bad habits, and it really mirrors what the church's responsibility is. Isn't it crazy that God's word is the solution? God's word is the fix to everything that takes place in our life. The reality is that Paul, in, in this passage of scripture, gives us a clear understanding of what it means and what we're not supposed to be doing. And then he gives us the replacement to say, this is what we should be doing. This is how we should be living our life. And so this transformation begins to take place, and we've talked about it all throughout this passage of Scripture. But when we have become believers, when we have accepted Christ, when we have placed our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we become different people. We become people that now live for Christ, and we put these old things away, and we have become new. This transformation that needs to take place. And listen, society's biggest lie to you is that once you accept Christ, you can go back to living exactly how you were. Nowhere in scripture does it tell us that we should continue to live in sin. Everywhere in scripture challenges you to grow and to mold into the image of God and to look more and more like Christ. So we have to understand that we no longer walk in a way that pleases the world. We walk in a way that pleases and honors the Lord. And so can I tell you a simple thing this morning? Stop sinning. Let's pray and we'll leave. Just kidding. Some of you just woke up. Imagine though, it's really that simple. Stop sinning. You go, but wait a minute. And immediately justification begins to set in. We begin to put the things in place and go, Jeff, you don't understand how I was raised. You don't understand what environment that I grow in. The fact that I just do these, it's really not that bad. 
It's crazy because scripture gives no out clause, no caveat, no side that understands to say, you know what? Bless Jeff. He's doing as good as he possibly can. The standard is here and we continually work towards it. Listen, we've got to stop settling for just half-hearted efforts and just a few things and not taking it all the way in which would please and honor the Lord. And so over these past couple of weeks, we've understood what it means to genuinely put things away. And so the recap is this. We have put away unrighteous anger and we've traded it for righteous anger. We have stopped stealing and we have started sharing. Barry did a fantastic message on that. Last week, we talked about we will no longer talk ugly and we'll start saying nice things. And the truth is, if we have adopted anything over the past five weeks, we have grown significantly. And listen, this is a process. This is something that will take us our entire life to begin to grow with. And so don't think that, man, one week I got this and everything is going to be okay. As soon as you get that under wraps, you now go on to the next thing. You begin to grow and you begin to grow and you begin to grow. So this morning, I love this quote by A.W. or this observation by A.W. Tozer. Listen to the words that he says. We have all noticed how quick many people are to excuse themselves for some outburst by pleading that they were provoked to it. Man, they made me do this. They did this. They did this. We immediately begin to blame. We were provoked to it. Listen to what his observation is. Thus their own wrongdoing is laid to others. What is overlooked in this neat trick of self-exoneration is that provocation cannot stir up what is not there. Listen to this. It never adds anything to the human heart. It merely brings out what is already present. It does not change the character. It simply reveals it. Listen, the reason that we struggle in these areas with anger and frustration and the reason that we have these outbursts and the reason that we sin is because that is what is placed in our heart. It reveals it. So instead of beginning to blame it on other people, we need to look in the mirror and go, how do I fix this? How do I begin to grow in this area? How do I begin to change what is inside of me? And scripture gives us a clear understanding. And so the list goes this way. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 31, Paul continues with this theme of making sure that you understand what you're not supposed to be doing, what is sin, and understanding what to replace it with. And he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. It's interesting that he doesn't say, hey, hold on to it for the right moment. Hey, you can be bitter and you can be angry and you can clamor and slander all you want if this person is worthy of it. It gives no clarity like that. He says, be put away from you along with malice. Now let's walk through these just really quickly to understand what this is. 
Bitterness to be defined is smoldering resentment. Imagine that someone would get bitter very quickly. One of the things that I deal with a lot of times is when somebody loses somebody. Man, this immediate loss begins to reveal that this anger and this pain and this suffering begins to go with it. What we have to be very careful of is if we allow that to fester too long, we become bitter. Anybody bitter with how their life turned out? Frustrated that something didn't take place the way that you wanted it to? Maybe you married somebody that didn't live up to the expectations that you had. Maybe you thought that you were going to have kids that were perfect. Nobody does. Except for Mary and Joseph and God. Man, constantly look back and go, well, if I would just have this, or if I would just have this in place, and this smoldering resentment begins to build. This keeps a person in perpetual animosity. Imagine bitterness never heals itself. You don't get to a stage of bitterness and you go, I have arrived. It continues to grow. It continues to fester. Love the term. Bitter people get more bitter and it makes them sour and venomous. Listen, when I say the word bitterness, you think of somebody in your mind. Do you enjoy being around them? Do you look at that person and say, man, that person is so bitter. It's so clear how much they love the Lord. What's crazy is that instead of helping that person, we avoid them like the plague. The next one that he tells us is bitterness and then wrath. This is to be defined as wild rage. Have you ever given a toddler too much sugar and they just get wild? And this rage begins to go and they're they're antsy and they can't stand still and they're just working through the sugar in their body and they're just going overflow. Listen, this is what wrath is. Imagine that you were driving to work. And you're in your neighborhood with your people. Somebody backs out in front of you and goes three miles an hour. (sighs) Okay, God, I can do this. And then they turn the direction you're trying to go. And they're going seven miles an hour. Okay, God, I'm not going to be able to. They're my neighbor. Then they slow down for no apparent reason whatsoever. How many of you are mad right now? Just (laughs) soon as the opportunity gets to present itself, you push on the gas, you turn on your blinker to pass, and there's seven cars on the other line. You slow it back down angrily and you pull within three inches of the back bumper of the person in front of you just to let them know. I don't like you. (laughs) This wrath begins to pour over. And once you finally get past them, you find another slow person. Don't they know you woke up 15 minutes and you're late for work? 
Why in God's name would they ever even give this person a driver's license? This wrath begins to build up and this wrath begins to build up until finally you get to work and somebody says, good morning, and you go, no, it's not. This wrath begins to build and this is this passionate response in the moment that we have not thought through. It's when it overtakes us. Anger, more internal rest, a deep feeling of resentment. Have you ever just seen somebody in the first words that came out of their mouth and you immediately got angry? Just... Anger sets in. Clamor, to define this, is the outburst of strife, the public loss of control. That you would be this loud symbol that would clamor and get everybody's attention. Have you ever seen somebody go nuts at a sporting event? You haven't been to a sporting event then. They just clamor in this outburst and this public loss of control. And you look at them and you go, what's wrong with them? They're angry. They're clamoring. Slander. Man, for some reason, this used to be something that was preached against all the time. Now it's become the acceptable norm. On social media, you can defame anybody else. You can talk bad about somebody continually, and everybody begins to join in. Listen, Scripture tells us and Paul is revealing to us that if we are to live in Christ, we are to put this away. It is old things. It is passed away. This should have no place in our life. He tells us malice. This is the general term for all evil. It's interesting that all of these have a commonality. The commonality is how we deal with other people. Imagine that this scripture is revealing that when we have conflict with people, we should not act this way. Let me ask you, how many people have carried around anger and bitterness and resentment and clamor and slander and malice just this week? And Paul reveals to us and he says, that should not identify you. That should not be who you are. If you are a follower of Christ, if you are living for him, this should not define you. Paul says, now that we understand what we should not be doing, let's look at how we are to walk. He tells us to walk this way and the replacement to these bad habits is in in verse 32. And he tells us very clearly, he says, be kind one to another. Now, can I tell you, scripture has the fix for all of the world's problems. If we would simply just be kind one to another. Just imagine that. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. As God in Christ has forgiven you. John MacArthur has a really good quote defining this and helping us understand this. He says, God did not love us and redeem us because we are deserving, but purely because he is gracious. Catch that. 
Understand that when we replace this, when we begin to walk in the way that pleases and honors the Lord, he has given us this example to live this way. And so everything that he reveals, there is a scripture correlation that goes with this that reflects Jesus's character. Paul said, I didn't make up this list. I didn't make up this just hoping that people would buy into this. I looked at Christ. He revealed to me how I was supposed to live and I began to work towards it. One of the struggles in our society right now is because parents don't live for Christ in the way that they should, it's carrying over to our kids times 10. You say, Jeff, that's not fair. It's truth. It's love. It's care. It's concern. It's somebody telling you the hard thing. Listen, parents, grandparents, adults, how we conduct ourselves tells our children how they should act. It's amazing that God in his graciousness, God in his loving kindness gave us parents. He gave us parents that they would set the example of Christ for us. That before our kids learn to believe, they would see their parents believing and trusting and living for Christ in such a manner that their kids would want to know that Christ. I tell you, the problem in our society is that parents have this half-hearted effort with their relationship with Christ, and it's getting worse with each generation. Kindness. Luke chapter 6 and verse 35, Jesus says that this, or he understands it this way. He says, but love your enemies. Wait a minute. You lost me at that one. Look, I'll be kind to those that are kind to me. Why didn't God say that? He says, but love your enemies. God, you don't understand. My enemies are not deserving. (laughs) Jesus says, and neither were you. You don't understand. This person has done just awful things to everybody. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Imagine that. Look, it is easy to be kind to those that are kind to me. But listen, if you're ugly and you're one of my enemies, it's hard for me to go, hey, I look at you and go, don't talk to me. I will destroy you. (laughs) Kindness. Jesus is kind to the ungrateful. Listen, it's easy to be kind to the grateful, but it is tough for us to be kind to the ungrateful. Then he says, tenderhearted, compassionate towards others that we would be genuinely concerned for others' well-being. Listen, this is tough for us because we are taught to take care of ourselves, make sure we're taken care of. It's crazy that Scripture doesn't say, hey, look inward and take care of yourself first. 
Do you know who tells you that? The devil in the world that we live in. Everywhere in scripture says, take care of others and God will take care of you. Forgiving one another. It's interesting that every time that I've done a message on forgiving one another, somebody walks up to me afterwards and says, man, I needed that. One of the toughest things for us to do is to forgive one another. We begin to keep score and we say, well, I'll forgive them when they seek forgiveness from me. God doesn't say, forgive those that have forgiven you. He says, forgiving one another. Can I, can I say a statement here? We kind of all walk around with our feelings on our sleeves these days. Where we, we look for a reason for somebody to offend us. And you know what's crazy? They always do. It never stops. Can you believe he wanted me to show up for work on time five days in a row? (laughs) What kind of job is this? Can you believe that they talked ugly to me when I did they told me I wasn't doing my job well you weren't and somebody needed to say it to you listen we walk around waiting for somebody to offend us so that we can hold on to a grudge and we cause so much drama we create this fuss that takes the attention off of Christ and puts it upon ourselves Look, the most basic understanding of Christ, the most basic understanding of what he has done is he has forgiven you. He didn't say, hey, Jeff, I'm going to forgive you for 95% of the things that you've done, which, listen, that's a lot. Hey, I'm going to hold back this forgiveness because... Until you reach this level of relationship with me, I'm not going to forgive you there. He says, I died on the cross to forgive you of your sins. When you look at me, you talk about your sins. Christ says, what sins? I love the understanding that Christ died for my sins before I was ever even born. Isn't that crazy? He died for your sins and my sins, knowing what they would be and still took them upon himself. How dare we hold forgiveness back from those that deserve it? Being mad continually will only cause you pain and bitterness. So it's time for this action plan to be put in place. It's time for changes to be made. Knowing that we need to change is easy, but putting it into practice is a lot harder to accomplish.
Listen, we need to begin to put the roadmap together and look at scripture and say, it's time for me to overcome this anger that I'm continually carrying around. Every time I clamor, I can't blame it on somebody else. I need to stop looking at everybody else and blaming them and start taking responsibility for my own actions, for what's in my heart. I want you to understand, we need God's help. This is the part that Paul wants you to know that the only way through this, the only way to overcome these areas of your life is to completely depend upon God. I remember there was a transformation time in my life where I was trying to put away as much as I possibly could. Me and a friend of mine had this relationship where we would take one task for one week and we would begin to work on it. We would come back together and we would talk through it and I'd go, man, how are you doing with, with lying this week? Go, man, it's a struggle. Go, Jeff, how are you doing with anger this week? <laughs> man, I'm working on it. How can you work on it? What is it that you're doing? What scriptures has God given you? And listen, this is how we begin to overcome it. We need help from God and the church and the community of believers that are around us. I'll tell you this. It's time to start replacing bad behaviors with good behaviors. I love that the psychology world actually uses a scriptural understanding that they say, this is what's called replacement behavior. We, we take away the bad actions and we put the good actions to it. Listen, Paul understood for him to die to himself, for him to overcome these things, he would have to put them to death. He would begin to grow. I think as we begin to do this, here's what's at stake. Imagine a community that sees a church full of people that are continually working to live for Christ. Listen, I think the, the church's reputation now to the world is there are people that just go to a place on Sunday. They're no different than me. Nothing's changed about them. I don't know why they waste their time and their effort in going there. Listen, our reputation should show what Christ is doing in each of our hearts. It should be evident that we've been with Christ, that we've been with the Lord. So let me close with this. Will you walk in the way of the Lord? Will you walk this way? And for the past five, six weeks, We've given this understanding of what it means to walk this way. But listen, as much as I would love to follow you around 24-7 and point out the sin in your life and what needs to change, I can't. You have to begin to get serious with your relationship with God. Starts with a prayer every morning that says, God, I'm working on this. Listen, I'll warn you, leave patience for last. God, today, I don't want to get angry. 
I'm going to read these verses. I'm going to memorize these verses. And every time that I feel it begin to well up in my soul or well up in my heart, I'm going to quote this verse. And listen, it's okay to say a verse angrily. It still comes across a verse. You say, I'm going to begin to work on what it means to, to overcome some of these areas. I'll tell you, a month from now, two months, six months, a year from now, the transformation in front of people is going to be so evident that the conversation is going to go like this. Man, you're a different person now. And you begin to tell the testimony of what Christ has done in your heart. I promise you, people are going to look and go, I want that. I want Christ to work in my heart. I want the Lord to change me. So I'm going to close this series just a little bit different. The worship team is going to come forward. And I'm going to read a parallel passage of scripture with you. So I'm going to ask you to uh, bow your heads and close your eyes. As I read this passage of scripture, the music's going to be playing softly behind me. And I want you to just take these words. Because everything that we've worked for over the past five weeks in Ephesians chapter 4, everything that is laid out in this scripture is in Colossians chapter 3 also. And I love how the clarity of what he presents this is. And so I would ask you to eliminate any distraction that's in your heart. Eliminate anything that could be causing you not to listen to scripture right now. Just listen to these words. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1. says, if then... You have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them away, all of them, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew nor circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. 
bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Listen to this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed that you are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father through Him. Dear Father, please change our hearts. Father, change us from walking in the sin that you forgave us from walking in the way that honors and pleases you with everything that we do. Father, let us cast off the misconception that once we accept Christ, nothing needs to change in our life and begin to dive into scripture that reveals the things that need to change so that we would glorify you more and that the world around us would see your transforming power. Father, let our lives reflect the scriptures that you've put in our hearts. May we no longer walk in sin. May we put it to death and have the peace of knowing that you can help us overcome this. Father, help us to bring glory and honor to you in everything that we do. In Christ's precious and holy name we pray. As we stand and sing this last song, one of the things that it tells us there in Colossians chapter 3 is that we would sing out these words. That this wouldn't just be a sing-along of songs, that the words that we sing would bring glory and honor to God. And so listen, I challenge you on this last invitation song. If the Lord's spoken to you, this altar is open to you to spend some time in prayer. But if you feel more comfortable just staying in your seat, as these words are sung, sing them loud from your heart. Doesn't matter if your voice isn't beautiful, I promise you mine is not. But the words to this song are so powerful. They reflect the image of the God that we worship and His transforming power so much. Sing these out with our worship team.